Hello, and welcome to day two of STLV 2019. And we're coming to you from Quark's Bar. So it's already after 1.30 this afternoon, after 1.30. So there were a couple of big panels this morning. Um, our good friends over at Women in Warp had a costume panel. And if you were following me on Twitter, you would have enjoyed the live live tweeting of the Women at Warp Out of Context Quote of the Week. And there were a lot of them. And then over on the main stage, there was the Warrior Women of Star Trek, moderated by our good friend Amy Imhoff, with Dr. Erin McDonald, Grace Moore from Women at Warp, Michelle Specht, and the Rekha Sharma. So now we're in Quarks, and there are a couple of people I want to interview because they brought something to STLV this year that is very interesting. Hi, can I interview interview you folks about? He's, he's the guy who did it. Okay. 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 Um, introduce yourself, sir. My name is Steve. Okay. And where are you from, Steve? We are from Germany. Okay. So what is it that you built? Um, the material? Or oh no no! The, why? The, the, the what? What? What is it? What are this, we looking at? This is uh, this is a sovereign uh, class from Starship Enterprise. It's uh, uh, I think one of the most uh, beautiful ships in a in a, in a series. Um, for those of you listening, he built from scratch, and we're going to get into that. The Enterprise E from First Contact and on. So you you prefer this over the Galaxy class? No, no, I like all the ships. Okay. But I decided to build this one. But I like the, the Galaxy class too. Okay. I like uh, all the all the ships. So where did you get the idea to build it? The idea uh, when I was born, I love uh, the stars and astronomy and especially Star Trek. So when I build models, uh, mostly I make the decision to build a starship from Star Trek. Okay. So okay. that's. And I, I love it to, to build tribute models uh, because uh, when you build tribute models, you, you, you are free to build it. You have a special design and uh, that's, that's the, the main reason. Okay. The interesting question, so what is the ship made out of? The, the ship is made uh, 60, about 60% of cardboard okay. and 40% uh, polystyrene. Okay. So it's a combination of both materials. What was the hardest part to make? The whole ship, the whole ship was a hard part because I don't use milling machines, I don't use printers. It's all cut by hand. Oh, wow. These are 10,000 pieces, all cut by hand and formed, shaped by hand and formed by hand. I have no machines, painted by brushes. And uh, so the whole ship was a very big challenge. So I'm guessing there were many times you would cut something and the shape just wasn't right and you'd have to... I have to make it new. Sometimes you make it three, four times. Sometimes you have a week, you, you make it just one time. And uh, uh, the more you make months, uh, uh, the, easier, the easier it is. Okay. And it says here that you spent 2,100 man hours. That's right. That's right. So but how many hmm? in, in terms of like months? Ten months. Wow. Normally 14 months for a ship in this size. But I just had ten months to finish it. For the convention, okay. Uh, we, we wanted to be ready for the convention, okay. so I had to eight to twelve hours a day, wow, the whole week, and uh, to finish it. And so there's all well, there's lights. So are these LED lights? This is about. There, I have built in about four hundred LEDs. Okay. Right. Right. 
Okay, so there is no actual electrical wiring in the ship per se, it's just all LED light? Uh, yes, it's about 200 meters electrical wires oh, okay. uh, connected with 400 LEDs. Oh, right, wow. Right, right. Okay. So did creation, how, how did creation find out about you? No, and no I asked creation. Oh, you asked I, I wrote them, uh, I wrote an email okay. and uh, asked if it is possible to, to have uh, uh, the possibility to show it and they told me yes and I was extremely uh, surprised and very, very uh, glad. Uh, to, uh, so, so the ship, did it come apart or was it shipped in the one piece? One piece. Wow. The ship is one piece and the display. We have two boxes and uh, to have one piece is more stable. It's a, a bigger challenge to, to ship, yeah. but it's more stable. Okay. Well, uh, this is a 7.6 feet long okay. model. Okay. Uh, when you have a 9 feet model, then I have to separate. I have okay. to separate the saucer and then the cells. Oh, okay. But this is uh, it's okay for, for one piece. Okay. And it's about 60 pounds. Wow. Okay. It's a, late, a lightweight. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, sir. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Let me give you one of my cards. All right, so there's networking going on in Quirk's Bar. We're making our way out of Quirk's Bar. And we're now back in the big hallway. So I missed the Q Continuum panel, pardon me, which was John Delancey, Garrett Graham, Olivia Daabo, Corbin Bernson, and Susie Plaxton. And at 3 o'clock, I'm torn because you've got Mission Logs doing their live panel, Star Trek in the 21st Century, versus, I forget who's on stage at 3. Let me pull out the program, and I'll tell you. Okay, so q was at 12.30. Ah, okay. So at 2.15 is the Ferengi family. So it's Matt Grodencheck, Aaron Eisenberg, Chase Masterson, in character is Ram Nog and Lita. At 3 p.m. is gonna be, they're gonna be having the people behind the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, which is on op in the Nimoy Theater, on opposite Mission Log Presents over in the, the Forrest Kelly Theater. But for sure at 4.30, we will be in the theater live tweeting the Terry Farrell panel. And I will be missing this year's Shakespeare and Star Trek panel. That does upset me. So that's what's happening today, Thursday, August 1st, 2019. So we have plenty of time. So we're going to make our way back into the vendor's room. It's a lot busier today than it was yesterday. Um, that Women at Warp panel, that was at 9.45 this morning and the DeForest Kelly Theater was full. So we're back in the vendor's room. It's crowded in the vendor's room today for a Thursday. So we've got a lot more action, a lot more people are here signing autographs. Andrew Robinson's here, Nicole DeBoer's here. Some Discovery people are already here. Carolyn McCormick is here, went up to her told her that I loved her on Law and Order. Wish they'd bring the show back for another season. Boom, boom. All right, so as I said, there's a much bigger crowd today here for a Thursday. You have more folks that are doing autographs. You got John Delancey, 
You got Corbin Burnson. This had Carolyn McCormick. If you want an autographed Roger Dorn jersey, it's $100. So the line is about a third of the way to the Roddenberry booth for Nichelle Nichols. Someone's doing Terry Farrell from that episode of Deep Space Nine where they go to Riza. Woman cosplaying to Pring. That was Kirk's, or not Kirk's, Spock's um, arranged wife to be from a mock time. Okay, so we're making our way out of the vendor's room, pardon me, folks, into the hallway. It's getting real. Chase Masterson just walked by in costume. A lot more families are here today. Yesterday, there were a couple of fathers that brought their daughter, little daughters with them. Which is always nice to see the next generation of fandom. Okay, so I'm going to make an executive decision. I'm going to go get food. And then I'm going to come back for the Mission Log Live panel. It's not Mission Log Live. It's Mission Log Presents. All right, and we are back. So the Mission Log panel has ended. It was a very interesting panel. It is what is Star Trek supposed to be for the 21st century, which is an issue a lot of fans are having here right now in this current moment of time that we're in with people accustomed to 24, 26 episodes being episodic versus like the 12, 13 episode arc where everything's one story and it's chapters. And there's just this conflict with fans regarding this and the people that seem to be upset or take issue with this tend to be older fans. As I've been saying since 2016, this, between 2016 and 2041, essentially between the 50th and the 75th anniversary of Star Trek is going to be this huge tumultuous period of change within not only the fandom but how Trek is produced. So we're back in the vendor's room and there are lines everywhere. You got lines for Nichelle Nichols. It's not to the Roddenberry booth, but it is moving quickly. As I've said, and we'll be saying a lot during our STLV coverage, this is Nichelle Nichols' last STLV. And unfortunately, she is not doing a panel this year. So the difference between yesterday and today literally is night and day. There, it was dead. I've never seen it that dead before for a Wednesday. Today, excuse me. There are a lot, got good crowds here in the vendor's room. All right, it's about 4.05 right now, about another 20 minutes I'm going to be hanging around then we're going to pause and we're going to go back into the main theater for Terry Farrow's panel alright so we're going to head out of the vendors room and make our way back to the main theater 
for Terry Farrell's panel. So when you hear me again, be doing closing out our coverage of day two of STLV 2019. And we're back. The Terry Farrell panel has ended. Um, learned a couple of interesting facts. Um, Terry Farrell and Mariska Hegarty, um you might have heard of her, Benson from Law & Order SVU, were both the, were the final two finalists for the role of Jadzia Dax. And I guess originally the character was originally written for Famke Jensen, who played Jean Grey in the original three X-Men movies. So it's about, it's after 5.30, um, Storbrand five-year mission is trying really hard to make good music, but it's Storbrand five-year mission, not five-year mission, and I will leave that at that. Okay, so we're going to make our way back into Quarks. All right, so it looks like the Monster Maroon photo op has just ended. For those of you listening and not familiar with the term Monster Maroons, those are the um, uniforms from Wrath of Khan through Undiscovered Country and pre-TNG. That is the uh, actual designation that they refer to, Monster Maroons. We were heading to Quarks, but now we're going to make our way back to the vendor's room, see what's going on there. All right, so we're back in the vendor's room. So we got a good crowd here in the vendor's room. <laughs> okay, so if you can introduce yourself. Sure, I'm Paul Clark, Dr. Migo. It's an honor to meet you, Dr. Migo. I was at the panel yesterday. Thank you, for, I, I enjoyed it a lot. How are you? Great, glad to hear it. It was a lot of fun to do. So. Um, I've seen the Netflix documentary yeah. Toys That Made Us. Now, was that part of inspired or part of spurred part of the reason for Migo to be coming back? Well, Netflix contacted Marty about doing this document, being part of the Toys of Star Trek. Yes. And we said, you should do an episode on Migo. I mean, Migo has such a rich history that spans so many years, it's, it's definitely worth the subject. But the funny thing was, while we're soon, while he's being interviewed for the documentary over a couple days, um, he gets a call from the buyer at Target, and he says, I want to bring back Migo. So it was happening at the same time, but not related. Oh, okay. So Marty said, uh, okay, well, they're willing to, uh, to you know, pay a decent amount to do 600,000 figures, and uh, we're gonna, you know, it's each few years gonna be limited to 10,000 of each, and they're gonna be on, on end caps on Target. So he said, uh, "You got the tooling uh, for a lot of, you know, for Star Trek and some of the others, and the body. Send it to my factory and come into the office. You're working for me now." So, did Migo always have the license, or did they have to get the license back for Star Trek? Because I know Playmates have it, and now it's currently Diamond Select. The way it works is, yeah, a, a license is literally like you know, a driver's license. Yeah. You get it for a period of time and then it has to be renewed or it goes uh, back to the licensor. So Migo went out of business in 1982. Okay. That ended all licenses. Okay. Um, Playmates had it in the 90s. Diamond Select Toys had it in uh, the 2000s. I wanted to make Migos, Star Trek, 
and went to CBS and asked about it, and they said, go to Diamond Select Toys, they have the license. Went to see Chuck Tessera at uh, Diamond Select Toys, he said, I know you, you've got a good reputation, you, you know you're doing Dr. Migo, we'll play some parts, let's take a shot. We'll do six characters, Kirk, Klingon, Spock, and Dorian, McCoy, Romulan, and see how they do. Okay. They sold well, we, made, we had another year of figures, we did Khan, from Space Seed episode, that sold well, that was an exclusive. And uh, we got to do Sulu and Chekhov, and then, uh, and some others, I won't name everybody. But um, I brought them to Marty's house. When I first got the first cases, we brought them to Marty's house and showed it to him, and he said, boy, you really nailed it. I'd swear this came out of my factory. I had me set, you know, so I, my, it was not me alone. Uh, MC Toy, we called ourselves MC Toys. It was my friend from high school, Joe Senna, who had worked for entertain, uh, Creation Entertainment and knew the Star Trek licensing. So uh, I had, he had said to me, you know, you got the body tools, you got all these parts, why aren't you doing complete figures? And I said, I don't know anyone in the licensing. So when I originally, I called Marty up and said, I want to bring back Miko. He said, sure, a lot of guys want to. Why don't you go get a license like Star Trek, a real license, and then come talk to me? So I went to, you know, Joe and I made the figures with Diamond Select, yeah. and we got them done. So that's that. <laughs> Sorry. So with the exception of the Gorn, which is now screen accurate, these are all what the original Mego action figures looked like 40 years ago? Yes. What we, the, um, the Gorn... Yeah, this, we wanted to do a screen accurate Gorn. Actually, I did that with Diamond Select Toys. Okay. So we already had the tooling. So when Mego needed to do characters, I was grabbing, we had done the Romulan, we had done the Gorn, uh, we did Sulu and Chekhov, so we had all this ready to go to production. Um, the, the, what we're doing is it's the same body that, that Mego used. It's yeah. just done with, Mego used a paraffin-based plastic that isn't really used in the market anymore. Okay. This is the body I use now is a mix ABS for the torsos and pelvis and PVC for the arms and legs. The nice thing about PVC is it has some give to it, so you can actually bend the figures back without oh, them breaking. Okay. So it can hold accessories better. Uh, I had already tooled for Diamond Select. I had already tooled the phasers, communicators, so that helped. Um, these figures now are as close as we can come to the Mego figure. In many cases, we're taking the original heads, the original Mego heads, sending them to the factory to be tooled again. Okay. And what has been the reaction from fans who were around during the first run of the Mego toys? Yeah, the great news is a lot of us are still around. <laughs> so they remember Mego fondly. They still have some. I wanted to very much not do just what was done in the past so that old fans and new could buy these new figures. Okay. So what we did was, of course we're going to do Spock, of course we're going to do Kirk. But for Kirk, I wanted to do the green shirt, the uh, belly shirt, yeah. instead of the gold tunic that yeah. had already been done. Um, we did Mirror Universe, Kirk and Spock, as a two-pack. Yes. And we did Mirror Universe, Uhura and Sulu, for in a two-pack and wave three for the Target exclusive. So that gave the old, the original collector something new to buy, okay. and the new fan got turned on to a whole new set. 
And I was at, as I said, I was at the panel yesterday, so I was, I did see the announcement about the Wrath of Khan figures and the Locutus figures. Okay. The Locutus was uh, only seen in meetings. Okay. Um, Marty showed that yesterday as a, hey, this is what could be happening in the future. Oh, okay. So, you know, to say Locutus is, uh, Wrath of Khan is hitting stores in September. Okay. So that's done. Okay. Locutus is, and the 14-inch Gorn are in development okay. and pending approval from CBS. Okay. Okay, sir. Okay. He just did that to tease us. Yes. Okay. Because like any showman, he knows how to part the curtain <laughs> and show you what may be coming. Now also, um, are you are there any plans to bring back the original um, place that's the bridge um, voyage to the planet from that episode with the orange people? Okay, uh, there was the mission of Gamma Six. Yes, that that's and that was the playset that Migo did, which was really cool, but it's a lot of plastic. Okay. And I don't even know if collectors now have the space to put it in their house. Um, for the Enterprise, Diamond Select did the Enterprise playset just like Migo did with the transporter oh, okay. in 2009. Okay. And we found that there was still a lot of the originals out there still in good shape. So they're selling for about the same. Okay. Instead of tooling the transporter again, and doing all that vinyl coated, yeah. you know, I would like to see a modular play set which you could have three panels that fit on a bookcase okay. and have simple. You or you can stack them with uh, tracks to build, to have flooring going between them. So you could do engineering, sick bay, transporter room, the bridge, okay. and stack it up. In, okay. your, in a corner. So, but the idea is a modular set okay. where you could go and you could have pieces sold separately so you could add chairs and uh, railings and, you know, yeah. it depends on how much you want to go into okay. it displaying. I know a lot of collectors are pretty much just putting their figures on a bookcase and posing. Okay. So we'd at least like to offer them some nice photography Okay. Backgrounds. There's a guy in Ticonderoga who is James Crowley, yes. who has built the sets yes. one to one. I went to his place, took 200 something pictures of everything, and I'm working with Amigo Designs now to make sure it's in scale. Okay. So that you can put Amigo, if a, if a, a room is eight feet and Amigo is six foot, it would be three quarters of the room. Okay. So I'd like to see that kind of scaling okay. so that it looks, when you put out your display, it's in scale. Okay. Okay, thank you very much, Dr. Migo. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to make our way out of the vendor's room. So to recap, day two was significantly busier than yesterday. Few surprises were teased and hinted at. Uh, make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook Promenade Podcast, Twitter at Promenade Pod, Instagram at Promenade Pod. So on behalf of a cast of hundreds today, this is our coverage of day two of STLV 2019. I'll see you next time.